Hello guys, welcome to another episode of the Soulful Entrepreneur Podcast. I am with Helen and I am so excited because I met Helen on Instagram um, through a clip from one of my favorite business mentors, George Cao, and he was on Helen's podcast, uh, just bloody posted, that's the name of her podcast, and then I went to Helen's Instagram profile and I was like, Oh my God, I really like her style. I, I think uh, Helen is really authentic and I can perceive, we, we can talk about it, but I can perceive that uh, Helen has fun in her business and in her social media. And also she's really good at communicating, but that's why I wanted to bring her. Helen, thank you for being here. That's a, oh, a lovely introduction, Ali. Thank you so much for having me. I love George too. He is great. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and I really like that you bring different perspectives uh, on your podcast. So, well, actually, the first question I want to ask you, is it true this perception I have on your Instagram? Like you come across as like someone who actually enjoys social media, who like does it like joyfully? Oh, okay. Um, how how yeah, is it for you? Yeah, I mean, I do. I enjoy creating content, I think. Okay. I enjoy okay. the creative process mm -hmm. um, of making something for social media. I, do you know what? I refuse to come onto social media and bring a kind of negative energy. So, do you know what? Sometimes I don't love Instagram and sometimes I don't feel like it, but I'm not, I generally don't try and share those thoughts on Instagram, if that makes any sense. It's like, who does, is it, I know, I know all of us have bad days uh, and it can really be helpful to hear that from other people sometimes, but it, I don't want to really bring a negative energy. So if I'm feeling negative, I might not show up. I don't do as much social media as I used to. Actually, I used to be on Instagram loads and loads and like nearly every day I would post, but I don't do anywhere near as much as that now. Um, and there's other, there's actually other social, I would love to get better at doing LinkedIn. And it's like, it's always on my to-do list. I think mm -hmm. there's probably quite an opportunity there mm -hmm. for somebody like me who likes to write to do quite well on LinkedIn. I just haven't been able to find the required amount of energy to do more of it. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I guess mm -hmm. like everybody, I have mixed experiences with social media. Sometimes I feel totally like frazzled by it. Mm -hmm. I think it can be a really hard place to be when there are emotive world events I find that difficult sometimes when yeah. there's a lot of political content online yeah. um I can just find it overwhelming and mm -hmm. overstimulating and I feel like if I spend too much time on Instagram mm -hmm. I don't feel good about that and I'm like yeah. oh get you know I've yeah. got to put my phone down so I do I love social media It's given me loads of opportunities. It's yes. allowed me to meet lots of great people. It's given me a platform. It's allowed me to discover what I can do as a small business owner. Without social media, I wouldn't have been able to do any of that because I, before I started the business I'm in, I'd been at home with my children for five or six years. So I had no professional network, really. I was starting from, from nothing. And social media gave me the opportunity to build a platform learn about new things build an expertise like from my home while I was looking after my kids so it gave me all of that yes. but you know so I guess now that we've talked it through I do have a lot to, to be thankful for yeah uh, especially to Instagram which has always been my main social media platform Okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, so how was your journey with social media because I know that at this point you love email marketing 
but I guess to get to that point on leveraging mostly your email list for selling your workshops and everything you offer, you needed to go through a process of like sharing content, inviting them into your newsletter. How was that process for you? Because I think that's that gives to all of us hope who are maybe a little bit behind you yeah, uh, yeah. to actually say like, okay, at some point I can disconnect more from social media because yes. then I have my email list, but my business is still running. How yeah, was yeah. that a process for you? Yeah, yeah. That is exactly how it works. So I started from zero followers, zero subscribers with a uh, Instagram account and a blog where initially I was writing about, I guess, coming back into the workspace after having children. My account was called Not About the Kids and it had a completely different vibe. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I was coming from it as a total beginner, learning how to do Instagram intentionally with with the idea of growth in mind rather than like I had had an Instagram account before that had like a hundred followers and I would post pictures of my kids and so I started this new account and the whole idea was that I was going to grow it into something and see where that took me mm -hmm. and then quite quickly it was obvious that the content I shared that resonated most is when I was talking about what I was learning it's so people wanted to know about what I was learning about mm -hmm. Instagram growth and how that mm -hmm. happens and how you might leverage that for your business or for your work or to get new opportunities so mm -hmm. I started to write and talk to people about how to do Instagram as a solo business owner okay when, when is that uh, so is which year was that this is like between 2017 and 2019 that kind of two-year okay. period okay and then in uh, it's so good that you're mentioning this because now sorry to interrupt you yeah, but now no, there is ahead. so much noise about this overnight success quick fixes virality and it's like it's a it's a journey it's one one two years that you were posting Uh, yes. Until you realize oh which topics was resonant, right? Like, <laughs> it's, I, it's one of my core beliefs that anything that you're building that's going to be worth having for the long term, that is going to take you somewhere meaningful, even if it's not where you start out, it will happen slowly over time. We, you learn something every single day. So I feel now. So what does that put me six years on? I I feel I feel like only really now do I have the benefit of all of that what you know all of that work builds up behind you and gives exactly. you strength and like you say allows you to take a breath and step away from things that you don't love doing as much but I did have a period of very hard work to build that initial few thousand followers on Instagram that gave me a bit of a platform and then I got a really good bit of advice in 2019 mm -hmm. to start writing regular emails I had been collecting email addresses a little bit through my website a couple of okay. hundred subscribers but that but I hadn't really been sending them any emails I just had this mm -hmm. list of subscribers and somebody said you should really be emailing every week and I was like okay I'm going to do that I'm going to see how that works and I committed mm -hmm. to sending a weekly email and it's called the switch and it's a newsletter and it's just about um marketing online and it's news and developments and my experiences at work um and that allowed me just the fact that I was emailing everybody every week it allowed me to move people from my Instagram onto my subscribers list because I could tell them this email is coming out it's 
better than my Instagram, probably, if you want to come over and get it. So then I started to grow my email list. And then I began to appreciate that it was really the people who had made it onto my email list who were the most enthusiastic members of my audience. They were the best customers. They're the people who buy my courses and come to my workshops. Uh, and the emails allow me to develop a more meaningful relationship with those people that I might have yeah. initially met on Instagram, which is a re- yeah. still a really key part of the process for me um but that's why I ended up instead of teaching Instagram which is just uh it's changing all the time and you know it's just it's actually I think it's really almost I think it's very difficult to teach people how to be successful with Instagram honestly uh, mm-hmm. especially when the, the especially when the, the platform changes so much um mm-hmm. it's I I find it far more reliable to be able to talk to people about emails and say you know I'm pretty confident if you do this if you send that you will get results for your business so that's why that is now what I enjoy running courses oh, and, workshops about. and how do you differentiate which kind of content you share on Instagram or on your email how can you tell like oh this is better is it more intimate is it longer is it what's the difference yeah I guess I can probably bring more of my personality when I write an email I really Mm -hmm. feel confident when I'm writing an email that I am definitely talking to people who are interested there is still something quite public about Instagram especially now the algorithms changed and quite often if I mean if you were to have something go viral you're going to be being seen by an, a lot of people who really don't know who you are they might not be that interested in your work whereas everybody who's like said I can send them emails is, is yeah. interested in what I do to a certain extent so I think I feel freer on my emails to uh, express myself you know in a more a way that represents me better using mm-hmm. just words sometimes pictures whereas with Instagram you're thinking about video content you're thinking about image yeah. quality you're thinking about being super eye-catching all the time on Instagram I mean everything has to ca- capture people's attention in just a matter of half a second or something if it's going to be noticed in in what is a really busy kind of stimulating platform so I find emails simpler I mean the thing is it's what suits you and writing emails suits me really well I find it relatively easy to do whereas someone else might find making an Instagram reel or a TikTok video really natural and easy for them and I just think we should all lean into what lean into what feels least difficult because that's the thing that you will be able to keep doing week in week out month in month out for the foreseeable future what which platforms do do you what do you enjoy making content for podcast it was was also a journey it was also i can see you're also a podcast host (laughs) no for me i started following all the trends on 2020 because also it was COVID, I was at home, yeah. I don't have kids, so I had time. I was like, oh, let's yeah. try this, let's try the other. Uh, I just didn't like TikTok, and I, but I forced myself. Like, I really pushed, like, no, this is trendy, this dance is trendy, this should work. Of course, it didn't work for me because I didn't enjoy it. I was forcing yeah. it. So I tried TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram Reels, but this kind of super inspirational with this, you know, I don't know, beautiful um, caption and audios and all that. Until I discovered YouTube, but like video podcasting on YouTube, I love it. Like what we're doing right now, this is what I love the most. And also when I record by myself, 
I love it, like the long ones, and then I just repurpose them. But of course, you I'm know also. What, do you yeah, know what's sorry. really nice? Do you know what's really nice about what you said though is like you have to try a few things that might not yes. work for you, yeah. and that you might look. I would look back on a lot of my old Instagram content and be like, oh. Oh no, it's a, it's like a bit embarrassing. And it, it, like you say, it's just, it's not me. I was trying to be exactly. something that I am um, that doesn't fit, fit for me. But unless you try a few things, Completely. you don't, you're, how are you going to hit upon the thing that you know is right? Exactly. And that's what the idea of just bloody posting it is, is so many people will come to me and go, Helen, do you think I should do emails? Do you think I should do TikTok? Do I have to get on LinkedIn? And exactly. it's like, I don't know. Why don't you just post something there and see how it see where it leads you like where what journey are you going to go on in order to find for you youtube podcasting or whatever yeah. it might be that was what i wanted to ask you about the name of your podcast because yeah. you have a podcast called just bloody post it and i yeah. love it i <laughs> actually i also love the the short ones you made by yourself the solo yeah, ones those are really neat i need to do yeah. some more of those i haven't done any this season i really need to i need to do i've got some topics on my mind to okay talk about. yeah no, just, i really it's like those. all about the idea of experimenting of putting things out there i really believe that's how we learn Completely. especially as content creators is by, by like really trying to shake off your your you know your inhibitions and your potential embarrassment and and just getting things because do you know what nobody's really paying attention to what we're doing that closely especially if it's not for them if, it, if it's not for them they're kind of like okay next move on so what the hell you might as well just try exactly so how was the idea and and when was that? So which year you were posting on Instagram? You say twenty eighteen. Yeah, yeah. And then twenty nineteen, I started my email, and mm -hmm. then during the pandemic, and I was doing a lot of train. Like a lot of my work was training um, in real life. I would help businesses or I'd host workshops okay. and events in real life. I did one to one work with people mm -hmm. in their businesses, but really during the pandemic, I turned my teaching into kind of bigger courses and workshops, and that. That's really exclusively what I do now. I found, found that works. That is, it's the best way for me to yeah. earn money out of what I do. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Let me talk about the podcast and then I will go to the workshop part. Um, how did the idea came up? So you were talking to someone and you were like, just post it. And then you were yes, like, mm. yeah, I think I said that to about 150 people that I've worked <laughs> with. And then eventually yeah. I was like, well, that, and then maybe I used it as a hashtag on my Instagram. And then when I did the podcast, I was like, well, that's what the podcast is going to be called. And now I can't remember when the podcast launched 2020. 2021 I can't remember um, but you know my background I in uh, before I had my children I was a broadcast journalist I worked for BBC News so making a podcast was always something that I thought I wanted Amazing. to do um, and I do I, I, I love emails but I really love making my podcast it's so nice to chat to people and hear mm -hmm, about their oh. lives and how they run their businesses where they're coming yeah. I love to hear that stuff okay Cool. So you learned to host or like to talk uh, and do, yeah, record live. I guess that's also something you had. So do, do, you don't edit the, the podcast episodes that much. No, 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 not now. I haven't. I have a podcast producer. I think it's really important when people are listening to understand um, that 
podcast. I didn't start my podcast until I knew I could pay for a producer to do some work on it for me because I was quite busy by that point and I thought I'm not going to have time. So I do my podcast is a business investment. I spend money on it in my business and I okay. could only do that when my business was earning enough money to be able to support the podcast. Okay. I think we can often look at other people and go, "Oh wow, they're oh they're doing this and they're doing that and yes. I should do and maybe you can't realistically do all those things until you can fund it properly yourself and now I've forgotten what the question was uh yes so and also that's another bit of context for people who can compare themselves so I came to doing like video on Instagram podcasting Mm -hmm. like that felt relatively comfortable to me because I had done live broadcasting before I was used to hearing the sound of my own voice you know that can be really difficult for people um uh yeah so I, I think that that side of content creation come come I probably prefer writing but I find broadcasting I'm fairly comfortable with it because I did it for 10 or 12 years before wow okay I even thought about Instagram so okay and quite a lot of people people who are good content creators might come from a magazine background or a journalism background all that kind of stuff is really helpful when it comes to creating content you learn a lot of those skills completely Oh, okay. Thank you for sharing. And going back to this, to just bloody post it. Yeah. From the mindset point of view, why do you think we are so afraid of our first, whatever, first video, first post or the first ones? Is it because we are afraid of what others will say or we don't like how we look or where is that fear coming from that you... I mean, all of those things, especially for women, but not just for women. I think it's very exposing if you're making yourself feel very vulnerable when you're putting something onto the internet and saying, this is me, this is what I know, this is what I make, and this is what I sell. And would you like to buy it? Or would you like to listen to me? You are, for most people, really pushing the boundaries of your comfort zone. And that's why it feels very, very difficult. Um, And I heard a coach describe it once as a real kind of, it's a real kind of caveman fight or flight thing you're but you're you're making yourself feel vulnerable because you're putting yourself out beyond I guess you know the boundaries of what you're used to and you don't know what might happen there are you going to get attacked if you go out there by a woolly mammoth or whatever it might be if you were a caveman but we still have those those feelings of self-preservation and we want to protect ourselves from anything that might make us feel vulnerable but you know we're not going to get attacked by a prehistoric animal if we put something onto Instagram the worst that is probably going to happen is that no one's going to see it and if no one sees it then who cares um and I think that what I've learned is that you can really easily push and widen that comfort zone if you can just take small steps towards it um and I mean I always feel that why not you why shouldn't it be you that's doing something offering something saying what you really think or feel or know uh why shouldn't you share that um and uh if you don't give it a try you'll definitely never find out whether anybody would like to hear from you if you just sit there going I've got all these fantastic ideas I've got all these things I want to say and I'm gonna tell absolutely no one because I feel awkward about it and I feel scared um it's because you you just need to find the courage to push 
the boundaries of your comfort zone one step at a time and you'll find your comfort zone expands really easily all the things that I might have found awkward in the past posting about an event and asking people to pay for something uh pushing my a video of myself and it's you very quickly become totally comfortable with it once you've done it a few times you're like this is nothing like you know you put your you know podcast on youtube the first time and you think oh people are gonna be like who the hell does she think she yes. is oh my god look at her hair da, da, da. and of course no one thinks anything like that everyone's like look at ali she's like she's on youtube and she's got a podcast and it's amazing yeah. and you know um so just do it yeah yeah does that Completely. did that make sense i, I, I love these motivation yeah did you make does that make sense did you did you find it do you find it difficult to share content or are you quite confident at this point I'm confident but yeah. no at the beginning oof I think it took like one year for video for writing it was okay but it was like in levels so first was like uh text then I was adding quotes but then I realized like this is a quote from someone else like from a book I was reading like mm, it's not my words so people want to hear my words then picture next level then so I kind of went uh, like in this ladder. Now I'm confident, but at the beginning, my biggest blocker was the English because I'm not a native English speaker. Oh, but you're so fluent. You're great. You should never. <laughs> Thank you, Helen. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah you, I assume you're, you, you're understanding everything I'm saying to you, or are you just like. Yes, uh-huh, no, no, you're uh-huh, also super fluent. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And actually, yeah. it's interesting to listen different um, accents so it's it's very nice uh, uh, but now at this point I think I had like a big mindset shift of like it's your personality infuse it as long as I am understood and as long as I understand others that's good enough that has to do with perfectionism too mm-hmm. um, perfectionism again is all about it's all about protecting yourself from yes. that criticism that could come Um, but actually all you're doing is holding yourself back you know and not allowing yourself to have the opportunities that you're really that you would love exactly yeah let's talk about another level of expanding the comfort zone that it's selling uh Uh, i listened to your podcast um about selling i think you were interviewing someone i really like that one too yeah sarah she was fantastic yes yeah How, how how was it for you? How was your journey with, with selling and is, which uh, mindset shift did you have for your own or like that you have seen on your clients? Like, um, it's, uh, this is, I mean, this is quite a profound one. Again, I'm going to mm-hmm. say for a lot of women, I for all, I'm 47 now. I didn't start the business I have until I was 40. And I, for all of my life, I told myself that I was not good at selling, that selling made me feel sick, that um, that maybe selling isn't something that nice people do or something like that. I don't know what it was I had in my mind. But once I started running my business, I realized that I was going to, again, have to push that comfort zone. If I want to do the work I want to do, I am going to have to tell people about how they can buy into it. Exactly. Otherwise, And it's that it's that really deep understanding that if you don't tell people or there is no way for them to find out about what you offer, they will not buy it because they don't know about it. Exactly. It's not got anything to do with the fact that your product is not good or you are not good. It's that you are not 
giving them the opportunity to know about the thing. So if you're not talking about it, if you're not telling people, they're not going to buy it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think if you can really, really try and believe that, then you start to understand why you have to sell. And selling is not... I just I think I think of it as telling people I'm just telling people about what's available and if you don't tell them you know you can't just tell them once this is the big thing that I have a problem with with my clients they'll be like they'll be like well I did do an Instagram story about it and I'm like well that you know that that's not enough you often need to tell people several times before they might book or buy something or ask to work you know so uh, I feel pretty comfortable with selling now. Sometimes they don't like it. Selling is the, the worst part about selling is when people aren't buying. And then you're like, because yeah. you, sometimes with certain products, it depends what kind of things you sell. Sort of certainly things that require a bigger investment can take a great, you know, a, 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 they can be harder work to sell and mm-hmm, that can mm-hmm. feel really difficult sometimes. I don't always feel good about it, but I know it is necessary and that I'm not trying to sell people anything sleazy or anything that is not helpful I don't want anybody to buy it if they can't afford it I don't you know so I like I feel like my conscience is clear and I would if anybody listening feels awkward about selling if you want to run your own business if you want to be a freelancer an entrepreneur you're gonna have to get comfortable with talking about what you do with explaining the value of it with believing in the value of it or at least faking it until you make it like at least pretend you believe in it in the best possible way that you can until you really start to believe you're going to have to talk about price you're going to have to talk about numbers you know all of those kind of things um but that's just that's just part of the job yeah it's like it may not be the part of the job that you love the most, yeah. but it is a part the any job that you did, there's gonna be part of it that you don't love. Yeah. So just if you can see it as part of your job, if you can see that you're just working on behalf of the sales department of your small business and doing work in that way, try and separate it from yourself, like um in terms of your self worth or your self value, just try and make it part of the job. But it's a really necessary one. Completely. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, that, this makes a lot of sense. And sometimes I think about like, oh, if people are selling their pictures of their feet, and then we are like, oh, overthinking about it. Like, no, <laughs> it's so nice what we're putting together, workshop, mentoring, whatever we're putting with so much love and dedication and years of experience. Like, be proud of what you are sharing, yeah. right? If but, you uh... can't believe in it, how can anybody else? You know, yeah. you really have to try and um like dig deep and go and again a bit like we were saying with video it will get easier it really will get easier yeah yeah well thank you thank you for sharing that perspective and um i want to talk about i bet people are making a fortune selling their feet really yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) so why not to talk about our offers really um and there's one topic um i want to know your perspective on about vanity metrics because sometimes I feel we are obsessed in general with some numbers that really don't add into our business or like it's not correlated to the growth or success or yeah, profitability of our business. But sometimes we get obsessed, for example, with likes on Instagram or views or somehow can be related. Yeah, you have more exposure, but some people, I have some clients that they never, they are not super on social media, but they email me. 
or they came from somewhere like they never liked anything. They never, they were not loud. They were no, so no, no. quiet, but then they were paying for my, for enrolling. I was like, so how do you see that? Like, which are these vanity metrics you see like in mainstream, let's say marketing, uh, they think it's, it's relevant. And you, with your experience, you said like, mm, this is more important than this one. Um, I think you're, I think it's, you're so right that quite often people don't forget that there are people out there who do not engage with social media content. They don't engage with it. That doesn't mean they're not, they could be your number one fan. You know, they're, they're reading absolutely every word. They're watching every video, but you could know, you could absolutely not know who they are. And then they will come and invest in what you do. I think you're really right. The expression for them is lurkers, people who lurk about. And I, that's what I used to be like on social okay. media. I would look <laughs> at it, but I didn't, I would never have left a comment on a Instagram post. And I've been like, why would I leave a comment on a stranger's Instagram post there are very many people that consume social media in that way yeah so you're really correct about that um vanity metrics I mean certainly on Instagram chasing likes and views and things like that it can be a really thankless task especially as it gets harder and harder and harder to get traction on the platform um However, I think that the size of your audience mm -hmm. can be really important. Mm -hmm. If you have an awful lot of followers and an awful lot of subscribers, you can convert more of them into paying yes. customers. That is just a fact. Yeah. However, I would always, the focus should come from who do I want to serve? Who do I want to speak to? What is my ideal person? What's important to them? How can I create the best possible product to keep them as happy as I can? Because the best kind of person that will come to you is somebody who's been referred by someone else, someone who's happy with what you do. And I would just think about audience growth as like collecting one great person at a time, like yes. one really quality contact at a time. Um, like you, so you found me through George. Yeah. I'm aligned with George's values. Yeah. You're aligned with George's values. So we're a really good connection. You know, exactly. you've invited me onto my podcast. The chances are that people who are listening to it are aligned with your values mm -hmm. and my values and George's values. So we're, it's a great, that's a really great way of growing your audience. So mm -hmm. it is important to attract new people, to let people see you, to find new people all the time, but mm -hmm. just The mistake is chasing growth, chasing views, chasing followers with no, no point to it. Like there's yeah. no, like, why, why are you doing it? Because nothing, if you don't know what you really want to do and you don't know what your business really is going to be or what your future looks like, what's the point in having 150,000 random Instagram followers? Yeah. That is not yeah. going to change your life. Exactly. If you know where you want to go and you can gather those people with you over time and you can grow that gang of really great people who mm -hmm. are all aligned with one another, mm -hmm. then you're building something that will yeah. always serve you well. Whatever you do, even if you take a different turn in your business yeah. or you decide to do other things. Exactly. Wow. And which other different opinion or perspective you have um, that you have seen really often on other marketing that self-proclaimed gurus or coaches out there. Oh, what do I know I you have many uh, unpopular opinions. There are but, things uh... I disagree with. <laughs> yeah, things um, you disagree with. Uh, who do I disagree? I mean, I, I, 
Do you know, there's no like one person where they come on and I'm like, oh, that guy, I hate that guy. Maybe there are, but I probably don't follow them. But not um, like specific people, but like the concept yeah. itself. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not, I, I'm not so keen on people talking particularly about sales funnels, mm-hmm. automated sales funnels. That's not because they, that's not because they don't work necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's because like I think they're sold as something that's going to make your life really easy like get one of these and an automated sales funnel might be a kind of series of automated content that people will get from you if they sign up to your email list and then they're going to get a subsequent like five or six emails and then they're going to buy something and then they're going to buy something else and you won't really have to do any work you're just going to get paid and I think I don't think they work very well I don't I don't love getting automated emails from other people I feel like I can always tell when I'm getting content that isn't spontaneous or hasn't been created within the last six months or um, I think we can be in too much of a rush to turn a new contact a new follower a new Mm -hmm. subscriber Mm -hmm. into a paying customer and I think often it's if you play the long game and you give them more chance to get to know you you will really secure a loyal customer over a period of time now that can be a bit different if you've got like a a a product business for example Mm -hmm. um uh, especially maybe a a sort of accessibly priced product business then you Mm -hmm. may want to run a sign-on funnel for people Mm -hmm. who come to your website and so it doesn't go across everything i think i just don't like I don't like any marketing messages that make it feel like it's easy, that it shouldn't be, a, that you, that you can get away with not being thoughtful, that you can get, that you have, that you can be, that you can maybe slightly trick people into buying something yeah. from you. Yeah. Um, I just I want to hear from people who really love their products and yeah. who love their company yeah. and who love their customers um, and are and it, that it's coming from a, a genuine place of wanting yeah. to do this work. Exactly. Um, and especially that just adding one more into this. Uh, for me, it's so like honesty. It's like a basic value I I include in my business. But yeah. sometimes when I see these like. Um, fake um chronometer no like the the offer is gonna end that for example or the webinar no like it's gonna go live it's like it's it's super recorded like super (laughs) recorded and like run run because it's gonna go live or now super recorded i love it yeah and then it's like am i being so uh innocent or 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 what but like for me it's like but if why are you lying i don't know (laughs) like it's like i don't know why is this performance happening i know you know it's like everybody can tell um uh, yeah and it's also that feeling that you yeah that creating that real feeling of urgency that people have to sign Mm -hmm. up for something um uh, and also i'm not really keen on um i suppose people being like Oh, I've just moved into my three million pound house. How would you like to? How would you like to run a business like this too? I don't know. It, it, I'm not super keen on that either. I think, mm-hmm. um, I think people's earnings um, 
but are very much have to be kept in context. Like, you know, people yeah. may have a very high income, but that will probably be as a result of very many years of work mm-hmm. um, and maybe good fortune or, you mm-hmm. know, it could be all kinds of things. They may not have the income that they're claiming to have on the internet. How would we know what's in their bank account? So I'm always, I'm quite wary of people who talk about numbers and financial mm-hmm, returns mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I made this much last month and la 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 because um it may it, it feels a bit yeah I don't love that either yeah and I guess that is also catchy for many many people like when they yeah. talk about seven eight whatever figures it's yeah. um but then in that sense you are really aware that you are attracting some people and then you are repelling others I guess yeah. you are really intentional with your communication, right? Yeah, and I, you know, and I actually, you know, if that is your goal to uh, to make um, a, a very high salary, then go for it um, and take advice from people as well. But yeah. um, but I would do some really good homework into who you're working with. Completely, completely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for the perspective on this one too. And I'm also curious about simplifying um because you say like you have instagram and then your email list and you also discovered that for example workshops is what work for you so it seems like um you know yourself and then you kind of chose which are the um, the best working activities for you and your business how which, which activities uh, you started kind of stop doing what did you start doing or, or for example you say like for podcast i delegate For these, uh, I do like more group programs. Is there any tip you you can share with us about simplifying? I know that worked for you because I know it's very personal, but something that yes. worked for you. It is very personal. Um, the um, so I mostly work alone. I have some people that help with my website and design work and my podcast, and that's the main help mm-hmm. that I pay for. But I at the moment made the decision that I don't wish to have an employee which limits the potential growth of my business but that's Mm -hmm. that's just that's totally fine with me and I wouldn't say that I might have all the answers on this at Mm -hmm. all but I suppose one of the biggest moments in my business is when I decided to stop doing one-to-one work anymore a lot of people who do what I do will offer power hours or one-to-one work with Mm -hmm. businesses or Mm -hmm. that kind of thing and it just isn't work I enjoy doing I can't really explain why I don't I feel Mm -hmm. an awful lot of responsibility like if we were on a call and you were like Helen how can I grow my business using emails I I'm like oh my god I've got to make this I've got to make this happen for them and you know so I used to find it really quite stressful working one-to-one and then one day a photographer came to my office to take some like brand photos and and I think somebody booked one and I was like oh shit I've got a one-to-one this afternoon and I've forgotten about it and la 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 and she was like Helen why don't you just stop doing them and I was like oh maybe I could like maybe I could just say no and that afternoon I took it off my website you can't book it anymore the thing was it was actually stopping me growing my business because it te- it took up such a lot of my week uh yeah. working one-to-one and it's more efficient for me from a financial point of view to teach one-to-many to have a group yeah. of 30 40 50 people to work with in one time so it was actually stopping me from doing work that would have been more profitable anyway mm-hmm, but I mm-hmm. 
I think I hadn't realized that if people are, you know, if people ask you to do something, you're like, yes, I'll do that for you. I didn't really realize that you could go, no, I don't offer that. And I was like, wow, that's a real revelation that you yeah. can, you don't have to do every piece of work that people exactly. ask you to do. You can say wow. no to things. So I think that was the biggest moment in terms of mindset shift for me mm-hmm. around how I could just as much as possible do the work I wanted to do most. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. Saying no. Pretty much saying, saying no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, can say, you can say no. It's all, I think we can always be like really flattered if somebody asks us for something and we're like, yeah. oh yeah, okay, yeah, sure. No problem. I'll do that. But you don't, you don't have to, if it doesn't match where you're trying to go with your business, if you don't want to do this kind of work, you can just start saying, no to it I mean that's not always possible sometimes we have to do the work that we need to earn the money that we need but especially if you it's it's a great goal to have like for next year if you're if you if there's something that you just don't like delivering if you can say do you know what I want to be able to not do that anymore by the end of next year how am I gonna make that work um it's very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, and whenever I get a request, I'm like, no, go and see this person. It makes me really happy. I'm just like, no, I don't do that. Wow. Yeah. And it's, again, it's very, very personal. It's not only like one way of doing things because also there is this way of like super high ticket coaching, no? So if I give you yes. one hour of my super precious time, <laughs> it's going to be 10K. And it's like, yeah. And then the person like, uh, you know, well, payment plans and blah, blah, blah. But it's, it's, I don't know, it depends on each person what they want to offer. But I also have this thing with the pricing. Like, I, I, I don't want to feel like, um, not abused, but I, I, even if many people say like, yeah, but that's what you, you're worth it and all that. It's like, no, I need to find a balance that works for me. Like, yeah. and I know some people tell me like, oh, you're, you're, you, I offer one-on-ones. I love them. I love them yeah, so, much, so, so much. Loads yeah. of people do love them. They prefer yeah. them. To other, yeah. Yeah. Other kinds, but, yeah. But, uh, and I need to balance uh, something. Yeah. That it's a win-win for them and for me. Right. But for also again high ticket coaching, I, I enrolled actually in a program that they were teaching the methodology for high ticket just didn't feel for me like right from, to me but again it's going back to your authenticity and your way of doing business right there's nothing ra- wrong with that I guess some people feel like really confident like this is what it is this is my hour and it's like yeah. super precious <laughs> but you you um I think you're really uh it, it's it's a bit like what you're saying you you really feel comfortable that you can offer value in a one-to-one and I really feel comfortable I can offer value when I work with people on emails it's just what so I feel really at peace you know you know I'm just I I know that I can help you with this um whereas other things if I was if somebody if I was saying yes you can sit with me for an hour and it's going to cost you ten thousand pounds given (laughs) what I do Given what I do, I am not going to be able to guarantee you that you're going to be able to make that money back through your business. I would, in most cases, people, the people I work with are not dealing with multiple 10K, uh, you know, weeks or whatever it might be. Um, So if you were going to be paying somebody £10,000, you would need to be in a position where you are confident that that advice was going to feed back into your business to the tune of probably a hundred thousand pounds. So if, you know, if, if that's not the case, then what are you doing? You know, you can't, you know, it's just, and the person who is 
putting that price ticket on their work and there will be people whose advice is worth that much money mm-hmm. they need to be working probably with huge businesses with big turnovers yep. who can afford that kind of advice yep. and would be in businesses that are that complex but if somebody is offering to change your life if you sit with them for an hour and yeah. pay them ten thousand pounds that's that's not good value for money that's yeah yeah, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but don't under Ooh. don't underprice yourself per hour <laughs> do not Definitely. do that an hour of one-to-one time is very valuable yeah 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 uh no thank you thank you for sharing and i'm conscious of the time but uh, yeah i just want to to give you the space if you want to share anything else uh, with the audience which is mostly spiritual entrepreneurs and they are starting to communicate online anything else that has worked for you or for your clients um What's that we haven't talked I about mean, That's so interesting. I'm thinking in my email of sharing that later on this week, the most, mm-hmm. the habits of my most successful clients. I was like, what? I love it. What is it about the people I've worked with who have the greatest success? And that I'm not claiming responsibility for their success. It's they have success in their wider business. I think they are storytellers often Mm. they will be telling the story of their business and Mm -hmm. how they came to be doing what they're doing and they tell stories about their everyday things that have happened during their week when we communicate with people like that it really resonates it allows we understand people by the stories that they tell and if you can find it in yourself to believe that your stories are interesting enough and start sharing them with other people then they will start to see you more clearly they will understand why you do what you do it will be right for them or it won't be right for them Um, and it's how you attract the best kind of clients because they see you fully and you see them and I would that's my advice try and dig into your own story Mm. it is interesting Mm -hmm. um and start telling people why you do what you do and why you think what you do and what you enjoy and all of those things. Put the story of your life out there mm-hmm. um, and you'll it will bring the right people to you. Mm, nice. Thank you. And I'm going to get the, the email because I'm subscribed, so I will get, <laughs> I'll check on the other habits. Thank you so much, Helen. It was really oh, fun. And it, yeah, it was uh really quick one right like it, i don't know i feel like we just got started yeah, but um, i can't believe it's been nearly an hour that was so quick thank you yeah. for having me i love to chat and to have to be for it to be legitimate that i can just talk is amazing <laughs> for me it feels so good when you're on the other side and you're not the interviewer because you're just there sitting <laughs> drinking tea and just answering so it feels good yeah <laughs> no thank you so much i will link your podcast once i publish this episode and thank you for sharing for opening and yeah for your time, your presence, everything. Thank you for having me. It's been lovely to meet you properly. Mm -hmm. And thank you guys for listening. See you next week.